Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. We'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Notes from the North, the official podcast of the Vikings Gazette. We're proud to partner with Vikings Territory, Purple PTSD, and Purple Territory Radio. If you're looking for great Vikings coverage, be sure to stop by these sites, and you're always welcome at the Vikings Gazette. And with that being said, let's get the first down. Kyle, uh, Zimmer had a press conference, and feels like there's, there's a decent amount to glean from, from this interview. Yeah, I'd say so. It was the first press conference for Zim in a little while, and um, obviously the first one since uh, free agency began, and, and the roster really, um, uh, I guess, I don't know if taking shape is the right word, but it certainly looks a fair bit different than it did before. Uh, some exciting additions, and I think Zimmer, you know, the the overall, I think, tone or takeaway that I had was that he was feeling, it looked like, very hopeful. Uh, and the word that he used was rejuvenated. Uh, he mentioned that, you know, just being able to meet with the coaches in person, uh, just get together, just work through everything uh, and try and figure stuff out, you know, in a room in the same blackboard, uh, drawing, you know, schematic stuff and just trying to figure out what they do well, what they haven't done as well, but would like to improve on. Uh, he just, his overall just uh, demeanor, and uh, the overall takeaway I thought was that he was feeling uh, extremely hopeful, I think, just in terms of how things were proceeding uh, with the coaching staff and what they were doing uh, to prepare for the upcoming season. And then also where things stand with the roster. And, like for me, when I hear that, like, isn't any coach going to be hopeful coming in? Like, is it like, did you feel like there was something different about this versus just the the usual like classic oh like it's a fresh new slate new season yeah you know i think everyone everyone's feeling hope right now right and that's part of why the nfl is so fun is that you get into april or you know march or in april and it's the season of hope and every fan base is feeling this way and that even extends to the coaching staff right like you're just making these initial plans i think for me it was the contrast from where zimmer was toward the end of the season to where he is now. And he even said that he said, you know, at the end of the season, I, I I'm getting, I'm sure just the, the words wrong a little bit, but towards the end of the season, you know, I was looking at the depth chart and I was getting pretty discouraged, but now I'm looking at the talent that, you know, Spielman and Brzezinski were able to bring in and just feeling like just super enthused about uh, where things stand. You know, he specifically mentioned Daniel Hunter, and said that, you know, he hasn't spoken to him personally, but that Coach Patterson, who is a defensive line coach and co-defensive coordinator, has been speaking with uh, Hunter. And that, you know, certainly every indication is that Zimmer's expectation is that Hunter will be back. So that's positive. And then you get to the two big defensive tackles, you know, one coming back because of COVID, Michael Pierce, the other because of free agency, Dalvin Tomlinson. And so the impression you have is he just the defensive line is completely rebuilt. And then those stud linebackers are coming back healthy. And then he adds in Patrick Peterson. And, you know, Zim was quick to point out that Peterson was the one who initiated things with the Vikings. And I think Zim takes some pride in that, in that he is, before he was defensive coordinator, before he was a head coach, he was secondary coach for the Dallas Cowboys, right? He is, and this is his thing, is coaching up corners. And so when an all-pro corner guy who made the all-decade team for the last decade who's going to be in the Hall of Fame 
you know, one of the top players, the position uh, in the NFL for the last 10, 11 years, he's the one who initiates uh, uh, contact here with the team. You know, the Vikings, Spielman said that we just didn't think we would be able to afford him. And so we didn't, yeah, we were interested, but it just didn't seem like it was feasible financially. But then the fact that they were the ones who reached out and expressed that interest, and then Spielman said, okay, well, we'll we're going to try and make the numbers work. And I think Zim feels good in the sense that, you know, here, this is a, an elite player, maybe not now, but who has been and could hopefully be a really good player taking the initiative to reach out. And so I, the contrast in Zim's overall demeanor and just the way that he was talking about his defense and his team, uh, it was a pretty striking contrast. Uh, and I think from the outside, looking, I, I do think there is some legitimate reason to really expect the defense to be better. Uh, whether or not they become an elite defense again, they're going to have to prove it. We'll see. But I would it'd just be shocking at this point if they finished, you know, 27th overall. In, I think it was 27th in points allowed and 29th in yards. And so it would just be shocking if that's what happens in this upcoming season. Oh, that it would just that would feel like a major disappointment, especially since we yes. talked about how like the work that's been done this offseason has been on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And with the reinforcements from even just from their own roster of, of pieces that you said um, that were missing there with Hunter and, and Pierce. Um, but then these these additions that they've made in free agency, yep. it it feels like the hope needs to be that this is again fighting for that top ten defense in the league. Exactly. Position. Exactly. Um, do you trust Zimmer when he says that the Vikings can truly take the best player available at the draft? Yeah, because they asked him one of the – I mean, a lot of the focus was on these defensive additions, which makes sense. He's a defensive coach. The big ticket players were all, you know, defensive players. Um, so they asked him about the offensive line, and, you know, he was quick to bring up Rashad Hill and – um you know, Dakota Dozier has been brought back, who was the starting left guard all last season. You know, and they got to, you know, he mentioned Ezra Cleveland specifically as someone who could potentially play tackle. He could also play guard. Um, and so, you know, Zim said that he felt like the team had depth on the old line and that they could truly take, you know, therefore they could truly take the best player available because it's not like they're completely without talent um, uh, on offense. And, you know, he also did mention that the offense did play really well overall last season finishing up you know really strong which is true the offense in spite of the concerns of the offensive line did play well overall but you know I, I don't think you can really trust him here especially since because yeah can, can this offense operate and be um not elite not kansas city chiefs but you know a, a really good offense without an elite offensive line yes they've proven that they can but they lost riley reef who is your second best offensive lineman last year. He started the whole year as your left tackle. He's a good player. And uh, so there's pretty good reason to believe that our below average offensive line has actually taken a pretty reasonable step back. And so I don't think for a second that Zim actually believes this is the group he wants to put out in week one. Uh, I think they're still going to be looking to, to make some additions to that offensive line. Right. And, and when you have one hole on the offensive line, you have exactly a hole, like exactly once it's there, like you're, you're in trouble. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it, uh, who knows, like 
and I guess we can even transition unless you had anything else you wanted to talk with there, but there, there has been some more depth moves since we last talked. Um, some, there's been some, some trades, uh, some small signings. And, and I think that this is a really important part of free agency when you have um, these depth guys come in and there's a chance that they won't really have an impact, but these are guys that are possible to really make a yeah. surprise impact and really provide some real value for what they're being paid. Yeah, I think it's, so they traded for Mason Cole, who is, he was one of the the very few centers last year who actually graded worse than Garrett Bradbury uh, in PFF's uh, grading system. Now they're bringing Mason Cole. The expectation is that Bradbury will still be the starting center and Cole is probably going to be the backup center and he'll probably get the chance to compete for presumably left guard, but who knows what happens with Ezra Cleveland. I know there's some, it's underwhelming. It's not, uh, it's not as exciting as getting, uh, you know, an all pro left tackle or something like that. Uh, The only thing I'll say about Mason Cole is that, so they traded the six round pick in exchange for him. And yes, he comes with over 2 million against the cap, but none of that money is guaranteed. And so, you know, if it, if it doesn't work out, you cut him. And there's no financial ramifications. It sucks that you gave up that sixth round pick, but he's got, Spielman's got a ton of late round picks. And uh, realistically, not every late round pick is going to make the team. And so I'm actually very okay with this move. Um, my hope would be that Mesa Cole is just a fine backup and that the Vikings are able to, to bring in uh, at least two more players you know, so if you say, okay, Bradbury's going to be the center, Ezra Cleveland, let's put in our right guard just for simplicity's sake, and then your right tackle is going to be Brian O'Neill, who is actually a really good player. And so we've got, you know, a good a good right tackle, let's say an average right guard, according to the PFF grades, Ezra Cleveland's average last year, and then we get a below average center. And then we have basically massive holes at left guard and left tackle. It's pretty easy to see where the main concern is for this team right where the main uh, uh, need is for improvement so I mean I don't may maybe uh, maybe or maybe Zim is being genuine when he says that they don't feel like but I just it's hard to envision a scenario where the offensive line isn't a major major priority for the Vikings uh, in the opening three rounds it just has to be it has to be. Yeah, like it or it feels like it's very clear where the biggest need is on this team yes. right now. Like it's just it's there's no secret. The the defense we knew and watched them last year, there's there's upgrades that needed to be happening, but yep. at the same time it was there's injuries and when yep. you lose the the not even the, the quantity but the quality of the players there. Exactly. You you need yep. that, but but this offensive line, it's it's functional, but you don't, that's not, that's not really a whole lot of hope. That's uh, exactly it. And so um, do you, do you feel like they have the money to make the moves that they, I guess, like kind of need to make? Well, that's the thing is, I mean, I was, I was just looking at the remaining uh, free agent linemen and there actually are some names like Alejandro Villanueva, uh, Eric Fisher, Russell Kahn, Ricky Wagner, these are guys, and I know that they're all 30, 30 plus, but these are offensive tackles who 
within the past couple of years have been really quality players and they're still out there. Uh, and the Vikings still have, I was just looking over the cap, they still have just under $7.5 million, which is a fair amount of money when you consider that Rudolph still technically hasn't been cut yet. Rudolph's going to be cut and that's going to be, and that's going to free up like 7 million or whatever it is on June 2nd. And so there's another like big chunk of money we can see coming down the pipe. Uh, and so to me, I am going to, I don't know, if I want, maybe I should say it this way. I will not at all be surprised if in the next week we hear about, you know, Alejandro Villanueva's uh, been signed by the Vikings for, you know, a one-year prove-it deal for $7 million or some, something like that. Something where they really kind of max out uh, the cap space right now to try and bring in uh, one of these offensive tackles who can come in. And then at that point you say, okay, now we've got four of the five starting positions available. We've got some depth players who can compete from there on out. And then maybe you actually really feel like, okay, we don't have to do, we can, we can do best player available. We don't have to choose an offensive lineman. But right now I just, if, you know, if some of these guys are there at 14 or if they, even if they trade back into the late teens or twenties and one of those offensive tackles are there, or even one of the guards, it's just hard to envision a scenario where the Vikings don't prioritize that. Yeah. It, it makes sense. I like part of me feels like there you you want to have some hope and maybe like signing some depth guys that are maybe even like last maybe you sign two or three guys and you just kind of hope to see maybe the best one fit but you also right with the limitations on the size of the roster and where they're at and what you need you do feel like you need to have one guy that you can at least pencil in there that is going to be at least if not like average just like slightly below average i, I was seeing yep. a chart that was had some tiers of of where people are at and i saw the vikings chart i can't remember where i saw it um but there's some below average pieces there and <laughs> yeah. it um yeah. <laughs> so i think even though it was like very below average and so there there definitely feels like there needs to be something out can you see anything on the trade market like does that is that a possibility at all it's i suppose it is possible and it's it's tough, though, in that, I mean, without the same financial flexibility, uh, it does make it difficult. And I think that general managers now are, as the draft gets nearer, it's harder and harder to envision a scenario where, I mean, maybe if it's a late-round pick, then it could make sense. But we just saw, I mean, a six-round pick gets you Mason Cole, who was uh, basically not even a Tier 3. He was like a Tier 4 uh, center in, I think he was ranked in the thirties. And so there was, there's 32 teams in the NFL and uh, he wasn't in the top 30. And so he's literally in that fourth tier kind of thing. And so I think that's unlikely personally, but uh, I think the likeliest scenario was that one of those free agents, one of the bigger names, and even if Vikings only have, let's say 7.5 million, they could still extend Harrison Smith and they could still extend Daniel Hunter. And the expectation coming into free agency certainly was that they're going to extend Smith for sure and maybe Hunter. And you could do both those extensions and you could do that in a way that frees up plenty of more money. And so even if right now they didn't have the money they needed, there still are avenues 
things. I would think that, especially with how Spielman really values his draft picks. I mean, now he's traded one of them away. He traded away a sixth. And the Vikings, we actually lost a seventh because it turns out we violated some sort of salary cap rule back in 2019 with practice squad players. And so he got docked a seventh round pick. That's contested. I know exactly. We're uh, we're not quite on the Saints level in terms of cheating, but uh, it's it always, it always starts small. Anyhow, uh, we've longer lost... better than your neighbor. That's yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. So we've lost two of those late round picks, um, and I'm sure that kills Spielman. So I would be shocked if there was a trade for you know an impact offensive lineman. But he's uh, he got the name Slick Rick for a reason. He's not shy about making moves, so we'll see. I suppose. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm excited for this draft, especially just with the trades that were happening this week, and yes, um, some of them are. Yeah. It's just confusing, but it uh, it yeah. I see. It feels like those mock drafts are just going crazy, just trying to figure out what these teams are doing, and yeah. um, I I don't know. As a Vikings fan, I think there's almost more excitement that you see some of these teams trying to jump up and see there and you're just i think there's some hope that there's going to be a good piece there at 14 exactly Um, and then maybe even who knows maybe there is a a trade back but regardless um there's some good players that are there to be got in that first round and 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 later rounds too yeah 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 um so third down we just wanted to take a look around the north um, the NFC North there and, and take a look at some of these other teams. Um, how did the other three teams do in the NFC North? Do you feel like this point in free agency and in their off seasons? I think it'd be fair to say that the NFC North as a whole, if I'm excluding the Vikings right now. So the other three teams, I think collectively maybe took a step back. And I think we can see that definitely with, so let's start with Detroit because they're, uh, the laughing stock of the NFC North. And so they're definitely at the bottom. I mean, Matthew Stafford, I think we all respect Stafford. He's a legit quarterback. And now they're going to Jared Goff, who is not a legit quarterback. And then you're taking away. So you had, before you had a good quarterback and you had really some great talent at receiver. You had Galladay and you had Jones. They're both gone now. And so I think it'd be pretty reasonable expectation for that offense to really take a step back. And I know they were able to retain um, their edge rusher on defense, uh, Romeo Aguara, I think his name is. Uh, but I just, it's hard to envision a scenario where Detroit really does much of anything at all this year. Uh, he was, I mean, Sean McVay had the training wheels on him for, you know, years with the Rams. And the Rams are a tremendous organization with tremendous talent. And now he's going to an awful organization who's just lost some of their best talent. I, it's just hard to envision Detroit really doing much of anything at all. But I mean, we'll see, I suppose. And then for Chicago, they were able to retain Allen Robinson, which is good. Allen Robinson is, he's a tremendous receiver. And they get rid of Trubisky, which is addition by subtraction. And so it's always, it's, it is sad to see Trubisky leave the North because he made life easy for everyone else. <laughs> but but they, they, you know, in, in true, I mean, it's just astonishing that Ryan Pace, their general manager, still is employed by the team. It's, I don't know how Bears fans handle it. I mean, this is the guy, he traded up in that draft to draft Trubisky, 
when Mahomes and Watson were still there. An unbelievable miss. And then it, all the rumors were that Chicago was making this full, full push for Russell Wilson. And you're thinking to myself, oh, gosh, you know, they're going to get a true franchise quarterback. And then they get Andy Dalton. And so it's, it's always, you know, you Trubisky to Mahomes and it's, you know, it's Dalton to Wilson. There's, there's a discrepancy between uh, these two things here. And so again, it's hard to envision the bears doing much of anything. They should be a fine team, a competitive team. I could see them maybe getting to 10 and six if their defense is really dominant, but uh, boys, they're going to, they're going to have a tough, a tough go of it with Dalton as their, their starting quarterback. They also lost Kyle Fuller at corner. Kyle Fuller's legit. And so they just, they lost a, you know, a really good corner. I think the bears got worse in free agency. And then from there, green Bay's basically just mostly stayed the same. Uh, they didn't lose, um, you know, someone like Galladay or someone like Fuller, but they did lose Corey Lindsley, who was their starting center. And Corey Lindsley is a, an excellent offensive lineman uh and the Packers you know it's sometimes um you know people who defend Rodgers say well he never had he's never really had that great wide receiver two or wide receiver three but what Rodgers has always had he's had an elite offensive line he's got an elite run game and he's got an elite wide receiver one and so losing Lindsley hurts and that it weakens that offensive line they're able to retain Aaron Jones, who is an excellent player, and they still have Devontae Adams. But um, it's interesting for Green Bay in that I think they've mostly stayed the same. Uh, they're 13-3 and three the past two years. And really, until the Vikings show that they're better, the assumption has to be that the Packers are the best team in the North because none of the signings mean anything until you actually you know play games on the field and see who's actually better. So we'll see, but I... I think it's a dangerous game to play for the Packers um, to basically just stay the same because the league is not the same year in, year out. And so what worked last year won't necessarily work next year. And so we'll see if Rodgers can cover all those faults. But uh, I think it'd be fair to say that the Lions and Bears certainly have taken a step back. The Rod- or With Rodgers and the Packers, they've basically stayed the same. But by staying the same, you might have actually taken a step back. Right. If, if you're not improving, then what, exactly. are, you, what are you doing? It, exactly. That, before we signed on, I had to ask Kyle who the quarterback was in Chicago at this point because yeah. I was like, wait, like Trubisky's gone. Who Who's there? Yeah. Um, and that's not a good sign. Um, Andy Dalton is, is a, a fine top 40 quarterback in the league. Um, yes. He'd be a tremendous backup, like a, a perfect backup quarterback. Yeah, but but is he a starter on a team that is competing um, is another question. It, uh, I was thinking like the, the trade-up to Trubisky, it looks bad in retrospect. Um, and drafts are just like such an like, <laughs> understatement. Um, there, yeah. yeah. like these, when you draft these quarterbacks, like I was sent you that graphic about quarterbacks that have been Exactly. Um, taken when they trade when teams trade up to the top three to get them and yep. there's not a whole lot of like success there um no no not 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 recently at least like i'm sure right were- right this was a recent graphic from from yeah. cbs um and like it's just that's not a good look um yeah. it was rg3 it was carson wentz it was mitchell trubisky it just 
guys who haven't worked out at all. Yeah. Yeah. Was, Jared, was, Jared, was Jared Groff in there? Sam Darnold was high. Yeah. yeah. So RG3 in 2012, Carson Wentz in 2016, and Goff in 2016, Mitchell Trubisky in 2017, and, and Sam Darnold in 2018. Yeah. Like, none of those guys, I they've had independent success in different years. Yeah. But at this point, um, the was it worth it? Especially just seeing the haul and the, the multiple years of first rounds that you've given up. Right. Um, it's, right. it's a lot of risk. Yeah. There. And, and it so it's, it's tough. It, it does bode well for the Vikings to have a team like the lions in their division. Um, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's good to have a mulligan. You get the freebie. It definitely like, helps. And, and not to say that the, the Vikings were that much better than the, the lions last year. Like I remember that no, like, we weren't. Like, game at the end of the season. I was like, I told you if, if we weren't doing this, I was not watching that game. Like that was bad. Yeah. Um, that's right. But, but the Vikings have, have actively made some improvements. Um, yes. Chicago still has that defensive front seven that yep. just matches up very poorly against the way this Vikings exactly. offensive line is constructed. And exactly. so there's still concern there, but like you said, they haven't improved and, and you obviously you'd rather be the first, the best team in your division. Um, that goes without saying, um, the Packers are just they're They've been here and they've been around for, for yeah. it feels like forever. And so you, you kind of settle for that second best, I guess, in the division at this point. Yeah. Um, at some point, Aaron Rodgers is going to move on, and then, and then uh, Love will take over, and he'll be the next. <laughs> yeah. Because right. that's how it works in, in Green yeah. Bay. He'll, just, he'll be yeah. the quarterback of the future for the next 15 years and, right. and compete right. and, and break records and, and all that. Um, right. Hopefully not for Vikings fans. But it, uh, I, like, looking around, it feels – relatively encouraging i guess not that you want to like try to put others down to to bring yourself up in a sense when you look around at the competition um minnesota yeah. was pretty active in free agency too right i mean within the context of the nfc north i think it's definitely fair to say that minnesota was the most active and it's it's funny to look back now and you know i've said this before it's funny to look back and say you know i can remember looking at like the pff top 50 and the top 100 free agents not one of them got mocked to the Vikings before this all began. You know, the expectation was that like the Vikings just weren't going to do anything. Um, but Rob Brzezinski, he's a pretty creative dude. He, he knows how to shuffle money around and uh, Spielman again, slick Rick. And so, yeah, they, I mean, they've made the, a couple big time signs with Peterson and Tomlinson. And then they've brought in some nice depth with Weatherly and Mackenzie Alexander coming back. You know, they made a trade for Mason Cole They've, they've made some moves here. And I think there's really, when you look at the roster, the only th- thing you could really say is I'm concerned about the offensive line. And then maybe you also say I'm concerned about kicker. They don't have a kicker yet to replace Dan Bailey. After that, you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, this D line's looking deep. The linebackers look good. The corners look good. Uh, you know, the receivers look good. The running back, you can go like position by position. You say to yourself, okay, this is a complete roster. They should emphasis on should because nobody wins the Super Bowl in April, but they should be able to compete come September, October, November. And so the onus now falls on the coaching staff. It's back to Zim feeling rejuvenated and his team. Can they actually put it all together and, and make it work? Uh, I, I'm glad to see Zim rejuvenated because 
yeah. him at the end of the season, that, that that was not a happy sight. No, not at all. I felt like looking at the sideline at the end, I was like, oh man, the poor dude. Like, yeah. um, obviously he's the coach and so it's his job to make changes, but it felt like you needed to bring in a helicopter to relieve him from, from that, <laughs> that mess because it just felt like he was, uh, he was drowning and airlift him out of here, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, very good. Good. Well, unless you have any other updates, we'll we'll switch over to the odds and ends here. Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about the wild. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say before we get to the wild, uh, I know this is just like kind of been going back and forth. This is like a great month of sports. Um, yes. We've got yes. the March Madness basketball, and I've actually found that I've been more interested in the hockey this year, which has never happened for me. Um, but I've we we have three Minnesota teams in the NCAA hockey yeah. final four. Uh, this is great hockey. It's a yeah. lot of fun. It's similar to, I think in a way it's like the, with this world juniors tournament in some ways, just like the, the, when you have these teams, these short term tournaments and you got the best on best going against each other, these schools. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I know that we had the, the five OT game. Um, I stayed up for three overtimes of it and, I was like, I can't do it, and I'm. And I woke up. It was one of those things, like, oh man, I could have been part of the record-setting watching, right. <laughs> but I was like, I also would have been up till two in the morning, and um, that doesn't bode well for me. Um, but yeah, we got MSU and St. Cloud State and Minnesota Duluth all in the Final Four that will be happening uh, this coming Thursday on uh, April eighth, and so Amazing. lots of fun there. Shout out to Minnesota, absolutely. Um, but when you look at the Wild, hey. Like they keep on keeping on, yep. Third place, and and they feel like they're actually solidifying this third third place. We're um, feeling like they're they're in a great spot here. Um, there's actually an article in the Athletic by Scott Burnside uh, that interviewed um, Bill Guerin, and it was actually quite interesting because he, especially when you look ahead of the trade deadline, he was a part of two trade deadline moves in his career as a player uh, that they were highlighting. Um, first in 2007, I believe, to the San Jose Sharks, and he just it didn't work out there. He was a player; he felt a lot of pressure to to come in and and achieve. But like, he had two points in the whole playoffs in in two rounds of, of playoffs, and so that was tough. But then he later in his career was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins team that ended up going to win the Stanley Cup, and right. so he they were just talking about how as a GM he brings this experience of being a player that's been traded at the deadline. And, and knowing that experience. Um, That's fascinating. That's a, yeah. It's easy to forget that these are real people with real feelings, <laughs> with real lives, with like families and a lot of times kids. And so the fact that Bill Guerin knows what it's like as a person, to, as a player, it, it's, a, it's a good thing. That's it good. is. I, I think that like I'm, I, I love numbers. I love looking at analytics. And I know that even within the Vikings, organization there's um and and with fans it's just i think sports fans in general there's just this divisive um conversation sometimes in terms of how you look at at numbers um but there is a real like thing about he said like there's locker rooms here and presences and exactly factors there um so i just think that it's it was interesting to hear and see how i think that that's one of the values of having someone like a garen in that leadership position yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, he said in the article, like all GMs, if we can make our team better at the deadline, we will. 
that's a very blanket statement because um, you could take that however way you want. Again, we've talked about how they do have um, Colorado and Vegas to get by. Right now, according to uh, Dom Lecision's uh, athletic projections, Minnesota does have a 99% chance of making the playoffs. Um, wow. So it, it looks like you're there, um, but it's looking very much like on a crash course to play Vegas, which is not an easy, easy, uh, easy team. And then if you get through there, uh, I, at this point, I see Colorado being a Stanley Cup favorite, which is is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, would, would there be any possibility at all for Taylor Hall? Yeah, like we talked about, like the there's obviously limitations in terms of cap um, yeah. numbers, so you got to kind of do a, a money in money out situation. Yep. Minnesota is just so built on being this defensive team and the way that they're going to win is just by focusing all in, I think on that in some ways. Sure. Um, sure. They've, they've got the offensive talent and, and like Kaprasov's there and, or, or Kaprizov, depending on how you pronounce it. And, and Zuccarello's doing things there and they've got uh, like, they've got Erickson Eck as their number one C or center right now. And mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And I like, I don't see Hall being what they would want to target. Um, but I, I think last episode I was saying that I, in many ways I feel like they, because of who they have to go against, it doesn't make sense. But at the same time, yep. your team is there. You've had a good year. Teams, things are going, and I would absolutely not fault them for, for trying to make a move. But from what it sounds like from the, from what I, the reading I've done, it doesn't sound like it's a real um, desire to go in on a rental at this point. Um, right. And I think at the same time, there's also this concern about this impending uh, expansion draft that the NHL will be going under. And they've yep. got this, their their strength is their top 4D. And so they're trying to figure out, like Dumba's name keeps coming up on the trade bait boards because he doesn't have the no movement clause that the other three top guys do. Right. Um, so right. it's going to be interesting to see what, what they end up doing. Wouldn't be surprised if they stand pat. If they go for it, then buckle in and, and enjoy the ride. Um, I did want to briefly just mention uh, Kakonen, the their rookie goalie, who mm-hmm. is kind of like slowly creeped up into these conversations. And I know some of the articles were joking about him being there in the Calder race. And, and uh, one guy even joked about, uh, I think it was um, Michael Russo joking about how he's their front runner for the Calder, which obviously is still Kaprizov, yeah. who's leading um, the team and rookies or he's either first or tied in goals, assists, and points. Um, but Kakonen has actually now got the highest win percentage at this current time um, for rookie goalies. He's got great stats, which helps playing on a good defensive team. Um, but just haven't mentioned him, and, and he's uh, he's really been a bright spot. Right, right. That's amazing. That's a, that's really encouraging. Yeah, yeah. The future is bright, so certainly um, enjoy him. Add Cal. Any words of wisdom? The hop, skip, and the jump with the words of wisdom. This was, uh, you know, when we start to record this pod, I'm always scrambling to think through what I've been reading in the Bible and try and think of some sort of haphazard connection. And so I've been reading about uh, David. And uh, uh, so by this point in my devotions, you know, David has established himself as a great military leader for Israel and uh, taking on uh, various enemies of Israel. And one thing that was striking was that in this one chapter, I can't remember the exact chapter now, 
Um, you know, he's facing the Philistines, praise the God, said, you know, hey, what's the strategy here? Should I go against them? Yes, absolutely, go for it. Uh, and then David has success. Okay, great. And then within the same chapter, though, again, another group comes, and David doesn't just go out again and face them again. He prays to God again, and this time God gives him a different strategy. And so it's the same opponent, different strategy. And David was uh, wise, apparently, to inquire of the Lord again, when I maybe, even myself, I would have just assumed that things were fine. Uh, David did not assume. So my point is, I was actually thinking about this in terms of the Packers. You could apply to the Vikings as well. You know, you could say to yourself, well, hey, we're, we're facing the rest of the NFL as we try and get into the playoffs, eventually win the Super Bowl. It's the same opponent, in a sense. But it's really not. It's a different battle. And so, yes, in a sense, it's the same opponent, but it's a different battle. And sometimes uh, that, therefore, requires a different approach. And so I'm happy that the Vikings have taken a bit of a different approach. And uh, I'd be very pleased if the Packers uh, ends up taking a decent step back because they assume the NFL would be the exact same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I leverage the Bible into my petty uh, spite and bitterness. <laughs> what, what else is the Bible for than taking right. the words and applying it to how it works best for your own life. And yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a different topic for a different day. <laughs> that is absolutely not. Uh, but I, I, uh, I, I think that I can see where you're going with it. And um, I think okay, we're, good. we're hoping for a good season. Yeah. We're hoping that, that things work out and um, yeah, obviously don't wish any, any ill harm towards anyone else, but um, for the Vikings to succeed, some other teams, need to not succeed and so certainly there's, there's hope i just wanted to briefly mention too um i didn't mention at the top but we are recording on saturday and so if any of this information becomes outdated at that point uh you can blame it on the time um yeah, absolutely but uh we we're, we're, we'll wrap it up there um we want to thank everyone for listening be sure to stop by vikingsgazette.com for great minnesota vikings news commentary and analysis and the Vikings Gazette can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Vikings Gazette. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk with you in a couple of weeks.